Patriot PK brought to you part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Tim Lacombe joins us right now. Tim, good morning. Good morning, my good dear friends. You're a music guy. Winter oh, some Wonderland. Would say, some would say. You're right. Winter Wonderland. Winter song or Christmas song? Played during a blizzard in February, is that acceptable, yay or nay? Yes, Christmas yes, song, yes, yes, no. Yes, 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 yes. Not yes, acceptable. Yes, yes. It's miscast as a Christmas tune. I pray that I'm on your side, DJ. Yep. Well, you need to pray harder, buddy. <laughs> I was fine oh. with Yach. I was fine with Yach playing it since I, since I'd driven through a foot of snow to get to the station. It was a winter wonderland, and it does not what have to be. Say? That's a Christmas song. It no, does not have to be Christmas. It is not limited. It's cast as a Christmas tune. It is not limited to Christmas in my book. It is a snow song. Are you listening? Right. Or yeah, you're right. exactly, or you it's can just a winter wonderland, but yeah. it is associated. There's an association with Christmas that right. probably shorted the uh, the guy that wrote it out of a lot of quid. <laughs> Way to reduce it to it money. Stereotyped him, man. Right? Very limiting. Two weeks before Christmas, very limiting. So, as a former college coach who has been to I don't know how many high school and AAU games and watched guys who had one skill that was decent, but too many other things they couldn't do and wouldn't do, even though their high school or AAU coach told them, How about you add this? How about you do this? And as a guy who probably talked to a guy who was 11th man on the team who wanted to be a starter but didn't alter his game. I'm wondering if you are as impressed uh, slash amazed by Jordan Clarkson as I am. Because when I see a player who takes guys off the dribble the way Jordan does, I'm assuming he played a lot of one-on-one and a lot of two-on-two at the age, not just of 17, but probably 13 and maybe 9, and has so much confidence in that that if a coach in the NBA goes to him and says, that's great, I don't want you to totally lose it, but three is more than two, and we also think you're a pretty good catch-and-shoot guy. And when I look at his numbers go from taking a couple threes a game to where he's taking five or six a game, I think that's a pretty significant transformation, and you have to give that player credit for being coachable and having a high basketball IQ and realizing what he's being told and why he needs to adjust. Can you address how rare it is and how many times you banged your head against the wall trying to say something like that to a guy who didn't hear, and Jordan deserves credit for being the outlier who did hear and did adapt? Yeah, so I think that the, the, the biggest thing in this to me is, you know, kind of the, the way, you know, the, the way that it's talked about is that there was discussion about his shot chart. And, you know, one of the things the Jazz really do well, if you say, what do they do defensively? Obviously, they have Rudy Gobert that affects everything, but they really do, as opposed to getting out in passing lanes, um, you know, they really kind of pack it around him, do a really good job soundly on ball screens uh, to limit penetration, and then they really try to tweak the other team's shot chart and, um, you know, to the to the negative. You know, they want them taking a whole lot of, of pull-up twos, you know, um, and really what they did is they just used that shot chart and said, you know, Jordan, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of twos in here. We need to cut out of your game. And, um, you know, he, he's almost the perfect experiment of what analytics truly looks like in, in a human form. Because, uh, you know, I think the book on Jordan is like what you said. He's a guy who's getting a bucket no matter what. Um, but a lot of dribble and a lot of isolation and a lot of one-on-one stuff. And wherever the shot came from, great. Um, but the way he's tweaked it, and you can see it in games, you know, he, he, he really fights the urge to always put it on the floor. He, he still moves the ball when he still, he still moves the ball when needed, but at the same time, he just does a great job of, uh, you know, when it's his turn rising up and shooting it or driving it all the way to the restricted area and coming up with a way to score. And so, yeah, I, I think, I think it, a lot of credit goes to Jordan and a ton of credit goes to the staff. So where the Jazz are playing right now reminds me when you guys had Jimmer his senior year. With that in mind, how fun is it to go to work when you're in this situation? Oh, it's so great. Um, I remember, so we had kind of a tradition back then with that staff. We'd go eat Sizzler every Monday. It was just our one day out of the office. We'd go sit around the table at Sizzler um, and the table we were at, they'd always show the rankings, the rankings that come out on Mondays. And, you know, all of a sudden you'd see your name pop up and you'd be a little higher. And uh, then as we were there, you know, ESPN was starting to run stories on us, do stuff on Jimmer. And, um, and everywhere you went, you know, there was a, a buzz. And, and what's funny is I saw that the other night um, in the game against Philly. I mean, Philly was really motivated to play that game, uh, I guess, minus Embiid. But um, they were really motivated to play the, that game because they're playing the best team in the league. And that's part of it. That's what these guys are going to start seeing. I mean, this this deal down in L.A., depending on who they have healthy and who's, you know, but these guys have always, because they're the Jazz, they've always, uh, they've always been respected. But, I mean, it's going to be a whole new level now. They're going to take everybody, everybody's best shot because right now they're the top dog. Tim Lacombe joining us here. Uh, what are you going to watch for in these, uh, these two Clipper games here, given that Paul George is out and Nicholas Batum concussion, he is out, and Kawhi Leonard is questionable and Mike Conley is questionable. So said all that, now what are you watching for? Well, I think the, the most interesting thing in this series to me is going to be what takes place between game, the first game and the second game. Um, you know, I think really – it's set up like a playoff series would be where you play a game in that town and you skip a day and you play again. And so that, that second game is going to say a lot about adjustments and that sort of thing. Uh, what we've learned this year is you really can never count on uh, guys being at full strength. You know, there's been a ton of injury and then you've got COVID and everything else on top of it this year. So uh, you almost just have to go out and, you know, this one area I'm knocking on wood. The, the Jazz have, have been relatively healthy. I missed Donovan for a few games, Joe for a few games, Faves, um, and, and now Mike, you know, for a significant stretch here. But the key to it is they've had guys step up. Your guy Joe Ingles has been unbelievable in the stretch. Um, with Mike out, I feel like Joe's just stepped in and managed everything beautifully. Uh, I, I don't think anybody can talk about Joe being, uh, you know, passing up shots anymore. I think his aggressive aggression level has been awesome. But but 
those those games in LA will say a lot. Um, I don't know that they're going to say a lot, you know, with everybody if everybody doesn't play. You know, if George doesn't play, uh, we sound like he's out and Batum's out. We'll hear about Kawhi. Um, but the bottom line for the Jazz is just find ways to improve uh, or continue to keep it going. Um, they have made a great stride in the last two weeks about they were not getting the free throw line hardly at all. And that's just another facet that's been added. And they've actually had a couple games now where threes weren't going. They got to the line, um, you know, really good. And Donovan's starting to get there, which I've always kind of wondered why he didn't get more. But hopefully that will, as part of being the best team in the league, that'll be part of it. But um, that's what I'm looking for this week. You know, I I think people are asking me, what do you expect out of the six-game stretch? You know, the four tough games at home. And the two with L.A., and I really said, you know, I think if they could figure out a way to win four or six, um, well, they've already hit the four. And um, and I really, I mean, they're the favorites, favorite tonight, two-and-a-half-point favorites. So, um, you know, just more than anything, look at this from a current standpoint and then what it looks like down the road, uh, you know, should they possibly score up in the playoffs somewhere. How do you explain or attribute the said uh, improvement and stellar play from Joe Ingles? Well, I think part of it is the karma that comes from being with you guys weekly. For sure. Really? I don't think there's I mean, there's honest to God, no doubt about that, because my life's changed. In fact, we should start a <laughs> seminar thing. My life changed the minute I met DJ and PK. <laughs> okay, nice, Tim. You didn't like me in the beginning. Nobody does, but that's different. It's no, I actually, uh, yeah, I just thought you were kind of, you know, who was actually I, I thought was really a curmudgeon was DJ. But that's <laughs> that's the story for another day. He's very professional. He just didn't give us any time. He would give me no time. He wouldn't let me in. But once I was out of coaching, he was like, "All right, now you can be my buddy." Um, and I accepted you from day one, even though it was not reciprocated. Well, I I did have some brain trauma that I had to work through. You were the uh, enemy. I was raised that you were the enemy. I had to do those slideshows in Majerus' hotel room. The propaganda films. What was the What was the question? <laughs> Joe's greatness. Why are oh, we Joe, seeing Joe. this? Yeah, no. So, I mean, my take is, you know, a take that got worn out by me last year, but it was proved to be spot on, which if you hang around me long enough, I'm going to be right at some point. But my my take last year was that Mike Conley was just in a career funk and that it wasn't the end of the road and there weren't rubber off the tires. It was him getting used to being in a new situation. And you guys can attest I said that many times. And I used the term data points. And I talked about data points and how all you got to do is look at this guy's career. The numbers will tell the story. And this is an outlier. This is a an, an adjustment. You know, the one thing that's not constant is the place he's playing and the guys he's playing with. So once he figures that out, it's going to be better. And, you know, in that whole thing just kind of eliminated the fact that Joe had to make a major change too, you know. Joe went from being a starter in the NBA on a team that he was really, really valuable for as a starter, and he had to go off, you know, figure out a new role. And I never really gave that much thought until, honestly, I, was, I heard him talk about it on your show. And um, he was really candid about it, and you could tell that it was something he had to deal with. So 
I think more than anything, it's getting a lay of the land, getting his feet underneath him. I think it's being reunited with Faves. I think it's the, I think it's the uh, connection he's got with Rudy. I think it's the new instant offense connection he's got with his boy Jordan Clarkson. Um, but being back in the starting lineup for him is a familiar place, and some guys it would freak him out. But Joe's a pro, and um, again, he's one of those guys, if you watch him and you watch him every night, you really appreciate the, the greatness of Joe um, because he's so unassuming and he's, he really does have that attitude where he's so instrumental to the team's success, but he always deflects. And, you know, I think that that's a, a real trait that the, the team's taken on, and I think that it's one that works for everybody. So I agree with a lot of what you said, and you kind of tiptoed into an area that I think gets completely underplayed when we talk about Joe going to the bench. Joe's a pro, but Joe isn't LeBron. He doesn't overwhelm. You know, he doesn't have this uh, this athleticism that it like creates a coaches will say gravity right where it changes everything. Joe's a high IQ basketball player, but he needs guys around him who can play. And I oh, no thought doubt. when he went to the bench, he was usually out there with two or three guys who, quite frankly, weren't good enough. And PK will back me up on this. I told him from the get-go last year, the bench isn't good enough. The bench isn't good enough. The bench is bad. And to Jazz management's credit, yes, they did sign those guys, but they came to a conclusion the bench wasn't good enough pretty quick. And they made well, a bunch they made of, that quick move, right? They made multiple quick moves. Joe was Think about it. Emmanuel Moutier was on the bench. Jeff Green was on the bench. Ed Davis was – those guys were all bench guys. And Bradley. And uh, Bradley – so Bradley took Davis's minutes, and then they brought Faves back to take Bradley's minutes, right? Green got right. let go. Moutier got buried and then got let go. Joe – you look at the quality of player Joe was out there. Joe was out there with more guys who can shoot and more guys who could pass. And those guys I just listed had maybe one of those skill sets at a lower level. Uh, I just think they've upgraded the talent around Joe. And when you upgrade the talent around a good, smart player, then that player becomes way better. Uh, totally point taken. I think that that's, uh, that's something, too, that you know we're seeing the benefits of four guys on the floor that can shoot as opposed to, to two and a half or three. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our boy Majerus used to say it all the time. Spacing is offense. And offense is spacing. And it sounds like a... Uh, palindrome, you know, mm-hmm. but but if there there is real majesty in that phrase, because the only way that true offense works is if you can inherently gain an advantage, and what the Jazz have now is they have prime real estate in the corners and on the wings, and if you're not there to pounce on that prime real estate, it'll sting you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they have so much room to operate. They can quickly gain an advantage, meaning two on the ball, because guys have to respect their ability to drive it in the in the roll screen roll game. So you're right. You're dead on. Um, Joe is playing with better players, but he's also playing with guys who are multiple, you know, threats in, in multiple ways as opposed to just like you say, Moutier and Green and those guys, there just wasn't that level of respect to give the spacing that Joe needed to operate right. effectively. So Conley so comes back. On that you, one. Yeah. You just, Conley comes back, you just put him in the starting lineup and move Joe out? Yeah, I do. Because, 
Um, I, I think this team's way past all that. Uh, I, I think it was a deal. It was definitely a deal last year. But I also believe there was way more, you know, inherently Donovan and Rudy were chasing something individually and never gotten. And in, in their case, too, they hadn't really been validated from a, a career payment standpoint. I mean, it's, it's an interesting place to be. Um, you know, you really want to be able to accomplish a bunch of that individual stuff so that it then raises your value. But at the same time, you want to be a good teammate. And it's kind of like the Bible, man. There's times and seasons. And I think the, the time and season for all that stuff's passed. And everybody on this team to a man, and if they're faking it, they're doing a dang good job. <laughs> but they just want to win. And they honestly get a bigger kick out of, like the team collectively gets a bigger kick out of Jordan Clarkson having a game the other night like he did. Um, and then tonight, you know, somebody else is going to have a night and they're going to be genuinely happy for them. And that's when you get to a special place. When you can get all that other crap out of the way. And it is a team game in its essence. And people fight that. And when people fight that, that's when teams struggle. But, man, when they adopt it, that you get what we're seeing basketball in Nirvana right now. You know, have we ever seen it this good? Uh, maybe the late 90s. And that would be I mean, the Jazz had – this is a shorter stretch, 20 games, you know, over five years. The yeah, they Jet, won 30. Yeah, they – but the Jazz had five years where they were basically winning like 73, 74% of their games over five years. And right. we, and we got, we got kind of numbed by that. Now you can't sustain, you know, 19 out of 20 over five years. Cause nobody's ever done that. Heck you can't sustain that over a season. Nobody's ever done that. Right. So, but, but you guys know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it is. I, I get it. There's yeah. different ways to win, but this team is winning like the optimum way. Because it's different every night. They're just sound, and they're elite in a couple places. And that's what makes it, you know, uh, that's what makes it have some teeth to actually be able to do something deeper down the road. Tim, as always, we appreciate it. And I'm going to hold on to spacing is offense, offense is spacing. Yeah, and you got to I'm going like to hold that. on. I'm going to hold on that I was raised to be his enemy, or he was raised to be my enemy. (laughs) He had to watch propaganda films. It went like this. They put us, you know, when we first got orientation to the basketball program, they stuck us in a dark room. And they put somebody behind us. We couldn't see who it was. But then it was that creepy music, and it was like, this is the known enemies of the Utah basketball program. <laughs> kind of a voice like that. Mm-hmm. I got it. Yeah. And the very first screen, you pull it off, and it was Roger Reed. <laughs> and the very next screen, you pulled back, and it was Patrick Kinahan, alias PK, known associates, DJ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I, I can't remember all days. the words, but you were... I had to fight some of that mental anguish to, to be your pal. You know, you've just made an enemy right now. I think Gordon Monson is mad that he is at best the third slide. Yeah. Monson had his own. We Actually, they had a whole like weekend series on Monson. You couldn't just cover him in one slide. <laughs> ah, okay, now he feels better. No, I like it when they you call him in, Munson, though. <laughs> Munson. They brought in donuts and juice, too. <laughs> he needed snacks to get through that one. 
And you, <laughs> the funny thing is there was a bunch of people in the beginning, in the early days, who thought exactly like Tim. And almost a, a man, every single one of them saw the light. There is, uh, you know, it's kind of like understanding that Darth Vader had a really, he did have a heart at the end of the day. We're just buried under a lot of plastic and capes and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> now I see PK rolling into the Huntsman Center in a cape. <laughs> you go up to, D- to PK, what's going on? Oh, I think my friend. Oh. <laughs> All right, Tim, we will let you go on that note, and we will talk to you again next week. We'll hear you on the uh, Jazz Broadcast Clippers uh, Wednesday, Friday, tonight and Friday. Take note, boys. It's really fun. There it is. Catch Tim on the Jazz pre-half and post-game. He is there with Jake Scott before, during, and after every Jazz game right here on the Zone Sports Network. Everything you missed in this show in one segment. Next, stay with us. Murray's quickly across the timeline. Throws it in the paint to Jokic. Layup is up and in. That's 43 for Nikola. Ingram bounce feed to the cutting Williamson. Left baseline, two-hand throw down. Look out. Below. He is dead last percentage-wise as the king goes baseline. Look out below. Lillard will bring it back the other way. He crosses over and drives, goes up off the glass and banks it in. Harden straight on. Three on the way. Good! Oh, James Harden has led them all the way back. Nets take a two-point lead with 29.8 seconds to go. Time to catch up, dude, on everything you missed. PK, that was a heck of a comeback by the Nets. The biggest halftime deficit they have rallied from since they joined the NBA in 1976. Down 24 in the third. And they rally and win. And they do it without Kevin Durant. And they do it without Kyrie Irving. James Harden had a big game. And they got her done in an epic collapse for the Suns. The kind of stuff that's going to make you turn off the radio. Yeah, they're going to dissect that thing until they're blue in the face, and I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> not not interested. I'll go with the satellite when I go to the gym today. Uh, as I look at the Nets, uh, the, the, to me this says more about the Nets than it does the Suns. Uh, and, I, and I look at the Nets, I think that they're going to have a lot to say before this is all said and done. And I think that uh, Harden, we're going to see James Harden really flourish because, you know, he's known as a high-volume shooter and scorer and all that. But I think inherently he's a playmaker, and he's willing. There's a lot of times where he does the isolation and does the fancy globetrotter dribble and jacks up a three. But I do think that he's the best facilitator they have on this team, and he has the ability to get others involved at a high level. And I think we'll see that. I think we'll see him really flourish. Now, it may maybe not as much this year, although I do think, as I already said, that they'll have a, a significant factor in what goes on in the East. But I think we're going to see the best of James Harden with these other guys going forward. Well, I think that it will help to have a full year and training camp and familiarity matters a lot and all that. But I get your point as far as ability to score and create shots for others. Uh, you, you can argue Durant, I mean, his ability to shoot over people and shoot over people from distance because of his height is phenomenal. So it's hard to say who the team's MVP is on any given night. Uh, those two could kind of pass it back and forth. I do kind of view Kyrie as the third wheel there. and I wonder how happy he's going to be with that as that evolves over time because I think it will. Uh, 
But you don't don't you think that says something about the Suns though, blowing that twenty four point lead? Or it's all about the Nets. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. They're they're not ready to win on a high level. They have Chris Paul and Booker's a vet now, but other than that, they got a bunch of role players still trying to find their way. So for them, you know, who's to say that? And they've been on a good run here of late, and this is a devastating loss. Uh, but who's to say that it doesn't actually help them in the way that Rudy Gobert said the Nets and Knicks losses hurt? So I know the tendency in the moment, and I do this as much as anybody, so I'm just as guilty, is to bury them when you're in that moment and you blow a 20-some point lead, 24, 24 I think you said, yeah. at home. Uh, and you got you let fans in. Steve Nash had said, there was, he made a funny line, is that they started letting fans in uh, last week a limited number, mm-hmm. and they raised the number. They doubled it uh, last night. And so when they asked Steve Nash about it, he said, oh, well, yeah, that's typical. Sarver's trying to cash in on my homecoming. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that's good. I didn't hear that. I missed that. Yeah. He meant it somewhat as a joke. But, uh, you know, well, yeah. why not? <laughs> I mean, you're in the business of making money. So, you know, it was a big game, and the Suns are an emerging team, uh, and they had a setback. And so, yeah, I definitely think it says something about them. But I think where they are in the food chain, it's not necessarily a devastating one. I think everybody thinks that, or you want your team to be blah, blah, blah. Because, I mean, they still compare them. So I told you earlier in the season that Phoenix Media was talking about that they could be better than the Jazz. Well, yesterday I listened when I went to the gym. I bounced around and just hit on different things. And they were talking about... Uh, the 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 Suns being the hottest team and the other the, and uh co-host as well. It's actually the Jazz. <laughs> they're they're the hottest team right now. So I don't think this is this loss is for Phoenix is devastating to what they're realistically trying to accomplish. Knowing that everybody wants to win at the highest level right today, particularly when you have a 36 year old point guard and you've sucked at that position for so many years, and now you got a quality player, but he's running out of time. So there's a little more sense of urgency there. And combined with the fact that you haven't been in the playoffs, I think 11 years, and you used to have a model franchise, that adds a sense of urgency. So you throw that all together, and it's panic time. Suns are now 17-10, and 10, tied with Portland for fourth in the West. Portland got the win as the Blazers took down the Thunder, 115-104. Damian Lillard, 31 points, 10 assists. So those two spot on at 17-10. and 10. And Portland's doing this, missing a couple of starters. So when they get those guys back, are they the team that can push and, and see if they can get up with the Jazz and the two L.A. teams and Break away from all well, these teams that are stacked kind of yeah, four through ten. I, I definitely, I, I would say McCollum. I, I just don't think Cantor and Nurkic, I don't think there's that big of a difference there. Lakers beat. Go ahead. Cantor to me is, he's he can give you what Nurkic gives you. But when they, McCollum, I mean, he's a heck of a player. So, yes, I would think to answer your question, they can get that fourth win or fourth spot, I should say. Lakers get the win over the Wolves, 112-104. LeBron James, 30 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. It was a struggle for the Lakers, but they get her done. They're a game and a half behind the Jazz, two down in the loss column. Yeah, LeBron is just a – he's now becoming a medical marvel in a sense. Uh, people talk about, you know, the greatest foreign player. Uh, Doncic may take that. I'm going to put LeBron in there. He's not from planet Earth. He just can't be. I mean, 36 years old to do what he does and play every game. Every game, man, he's out there. Yep. 
Yeah. And, that, and then there's not even a, you know 18,000 people who paid to go see him play. But yet he's still out there. It's just incredible. Closing in on 50,000 minutes. He's uh, seventh in career minutes played, and he's going to be fourth real quickly because the next three guys are right in front of him. And he'll, he'll go I like his Hall them. of Fame chances. <laughs> you should. Good call by you. <laughs> Nuggets get beat by the Boston Celtics 112 to 99. And the Nuggets are now 15 and 12, seventh in the West, two games behind the Blazers and the Suns. And sometimes it feels like they're about to get it going, and then sometimes just not so much. Jokic goes for 43 points, and they still don't break 100, and they get beat by Boston 112.99. Well, Jokic is all that, that's for sure. But right now, I think you have the people that look list Dallas as a disappointment, and I'm fine with that. But I think the biggest disappointment in the West is Denver. And it was like, you know, Denver sucked for a good long time. Mm-hmm. And then they got good for a couple years. And then it seemed like they sucked again. And I don't think they're going to be out of the playoff. But I do think maybe they hit a high point these last couple years. And maybe they are on a decline. And this isn't just a slow start or injuries or what have you. This is really who they are. They're okay. But they're not contending for anything serious. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but that's a possibility that I think you need to explore and consider right now. Did they max out as a 2-3 and three seed, a team that got to the second round? And uh, let's see, first round they won Game 7s consecutive years. Second round they mm-hmm. split Game 7s, won one and lost one. And then the Lakers took them out, what was it, in, in six, I think? Lakers beat last them in year. five or six. Yeah, the Lakers beat them in five or six last year in the conference final. Is that their high watermark? Because it does look like they've fallen back here at the start of this season. Yeah. Maybe it's a little time to develop guys to replace the three rotation guys they lost. See if they can bounce back. Uh, College hoops tonight. It's Utah State and Boise State. The Broncos are 16 and 4 overall, and the Aggies are 14 and 5. More importantly, in Mountain West play, Aggies are in first place at 11 and 2. Broncos are in second place at 12 and 3. Percentage points back. This game's on the CBS Sports Network. Scotty G will have play by play coverage uh, pregame at 6 30 and tip off at 7 o'clock. And uh, bad blood, PK. This is uh, football, <laughs> basketball. It's, uh, no, nobody likes the Broncos. They're winning too much. People don't like them. Well, then you have this fan thing. They wanted to move it over to Nampa, to Rodeo Grounds. I've been over there in Nampa. And uh, so they wanted to put in fans there. But I guess that uh, the conference rule, I thought the conference would make a decision on it, but the conference said that, well, both teams have to agree to move a game. They tried to move it last week against Vegas. No. This week, no. And then they came up with whatever that county is or however they rule it, that on campus there, it's right next to the football stadium, that they could have some fans. So they're supposed to have 900 fans in this arena. I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. But I do know that uh, if Utah State should sweep this series, then that goes a long way towards winning the regular season uh, crown, I guess. And obviously, Boise State has their crack. The Aggies, for sure. The Aggies, the Broncos, the Rams, and the Aztecs all uh, trying to get into the NCAA tournament. They're going to beat each other up. 
which, as you point out, a couple of wins for the Aggies sets them up for the regular season title and really sets them into the NCAA tournament field. And conversely, any team that gets swept, that has a problem down the stretch, could find themselves on the outside looking in. Yeah, and I think you've got to reward the regular season, especially this year. And, you know, there's been talk who's going to go to the tournament. Gonzano out of Oregon had a thing that says the BYU and Gonzaga are considering not going. Uh, to Vegas, uh, I can understand that. Uh, it's a different situation there, and and how will that affect your NCAA tournament thing? You get a couple of guys who, who knows, either get COVID or get the tracing, and I mean, you're gonna miss, you're gonna have COVID screw up your NCAs two years in a row. Nobody wants that. All right, that is what we have been talking about today. When we come back, your feedback coming up. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Sunshine up in Boise isn't glowing Because the Aggies said we won't comply So like their turf, the Broncos are so blue now Cause saying no will always make them cry Kay's getting ready for the big game tonight. Hear it on the zone. Uh, Wednesday, Friday, it'll be the combo. David Locke will have the Jazz and the Clippers on 97.5, 8 o'clock tip-offs both nights, and 7 o'clock tip for the Utah State-Boise State game on 1280 The Zone, pregame at 6.30 tonight with Scotty G. All right, PK, Jazz have won 19 out of 20. Who do you think, if anybody, is playing below or above his capability? Mercy for others as much as mercy for yourselves, as Boyan can still move up. Playing a bit below... His capability. Don's scoring can move up when Conley has the helm again. No big tweaks needed. 19 out of 20, that's true. Well, we will get to that as far as, you know, who could play better because what cost does it come at? You know, Simmons is going crazy because he scored 42, and, you know, he thinks he owned Gobert and all that stuff. Well, he scored 42 in large part because Embiid was out. And so you lost the game, and, you know, you could only do so much as an individual. But the point being, if you get something more, then what, at what cost to the team? So Because it's about winning. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And then, you know, no tweaks necessary. We had Tim Reynolds, Associated Press. He's been doing that job for a long time. Uh, are the Jazz going to make a move, you know, because the Lakers, I believe the Lakers will make a move. Uh, from what uh, my folks down in L.A. are saying, they're going to try to get a big man, and maybe it's one of these buyout deals that they take on. And, you know, so you, you're you in the position now where, you, you know, you need to be aware of what the both Los Angeles teams are doing because they're direct competition. So does that inspire you to make a move or no tweaks necessary and you just ride it out? Uh, I, that's something that I don't know the answer to. Because uh, you know, right now, if you say, well, just keep what you got, then how do you argue that? Uh, but if you see an opportunity to improve, improve your team and you trust in your management, and Ryan Smith signs off on that, you know, maybe they do make a move. I would think if the Jazz are going to add something, it would be a third big in case, uh, you know, Gobert and Favors have been really resilient this year. But if either one if either one can't go, then what happens when the other one, you know, in the fifteen ish minutes a game that the other guy isn't going to play? Yeah, but you could say that about anything. Why I, I can't. I know, but I'm, I'm looking at Mitchell the, and Conley can't go. 
Well, no, but I'm saying that, it, well, if they both can't go, then that's trouble. I'm saying if one well, guy can't, if one of those two can't play, the other one will play 35 minutes. Now, with Mitchell and Conley, you can kind of fill in because Joe can also create. So you've got a third guy for whatever the duty is, you know, running the pick and roll or, or spotting up in the corner or what, whatever it is, you've got a third guy. But with the bigs, you don't. Uh, they would argue on that because when Favors left the game, they put in Morgan and he yeah. played. And big is that, you know, you're going back to Swen Nader, big. <laughs> that, well, that, big that now has got to big now yeah. has got to set the screen and roll to the hoop and then protect the rim where possible, or shoot the three. There's plenty of guys who do that now, but Rick not the way the Jazz does play. that. Yeah, but I mean, so change the if, way they play. Man, change the way they if play. If you have somebody who has that skill, why why would they incorporate that when that's not the big guy's game? So if you have somebody who does that differently. Then you change. That's that's a great thing, you know. Are we looking at Quinn Snyder? A friend of mine texted me about Quinn maybe coaching above his level, and maybe something, you know, that you can't really coach above your level because your level is what it is. But is the Quinn, our Quinn, and the staff really uh, putting this team in the best position to win? better than they have you know there's something to be said ultimately the players got to do it and the coach can't make a play but can he or they put themselves to the team in a better position than they have and you can argue that Quinn Snyder has certainly done that I mean maybe it's time to start to ease pump the brakes on Clarkson in the sixth man because it looks like he's a shoe in there and around here these individual awards matter start pumping up Snyder for coach of the year Something to ponder. We'll let Scotty and Hands handle that. We are out of time. They are up next. We will talk to you tomorrow. See you then.